Wasn't that good? That's what you say is a song from the heart right there. Miss Cleta, you did a great job, seriously. And Stacy did too, though, for that matter. So just I, I left. I didn't mean to leave you out, but isn't God good this morning? A lot of things going on. Some nice, cool weather outside. Uh, no problem. It happens quite often. So it just <laughs> I just have to make sure I've got mine off now because it reminded me. <laughs> Do I? I'm sorry. It might have been. That's right. Yes. It's good to be in God's house this morning. It's always good to be in God's house. In fact, God is good. All right. Uh, keep in mind a few things we got going on. We're back in the Revelation study after a couple weeks off. And tonight we'll have that at 6.30, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, back in the fellowship hall. And so come on, join us for that. It's always a fun time. We're getting almost the end of it. We're in Chapter 17 now. 16, one of the two. I'm doing it. I don't remember what chapter it is. Anyway, it, uh, keep that in mind. And uh, see, this afternoon is our ministry team meeting. So if you're on that, you know who you are, just uh, at 4 o'clock over in the office. And so keep those things in mind. I want to ask you a question this morning. Now, first of all, let me, let's turn to John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1, two, 1 through 3 is where we're going to be reading. But have you ever met a perfect person? Did you know the Bible tells us that you can be perfect? Now, I'm looking at a whole lot of you know pretty good, and I hate to tell you, but you are a long ways from perfect. <laughs> Let me tell you a story I read the other day. Have you ever met a per- perfect person? I came across this story, and I thought it would go with this, this message today. I want to read to you about perfection. Once upon a time, a perfect man and a perfect woman met. They had a perfect courtship. They had a perfect wedding. Their life was absolutely perfect. One stormy Christmas Eve, this perfect couple was driving their car along the winding road when they noticed someone on the side of the road in distress. Being the perfect couple that they were, they stopped to help. There stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys. Not wanting to disappoint any children on Christmas Eve, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into the car. Soon they were driving along and delivering toys. Unfortunately, the driving conditions had worsened, had deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had a serious accident. Only one of them survived the accident. See if you can answer this question. Who was the survivor? Obviously, the perfect woman is the only one that survived the accident because she's the only only one that really existed in the first place. Everybody knows there's no Santa Claus, and there's no such thing as a perfect man. There's more. Hang on. If there's no perfect man and there's no Santa Claus, then the perfect woman must have been driving And that explains why they had the wreck in the first place. (laughs) I didn't make that up. So just (laughs) anyway, if you will, get your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to ask you if you would just stand as we read God's Word together this morning. John's writing to us, and he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time together this morning. Thank you for each one that's here with us. And, Lord, we just ask now that you would just let your spirit fill this place and each one of us, Lord, that, that, Lord, we can see that through your word and through your life that we can be a perfect person. Maybe not on this world, but we will be one of these days. Lord, just take us and teach us this lesson you've got from this passage. Go with us in all things we ask. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We all know that nobody's perfect. In fact, the Scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. That tells us that every single one of us sin. We fall short of the mark that God's called us to do. I know that nobody's perfect, but that's not the question this morning. The question I'm asking is this. Did you know you can be perfect? Did you know that you can become perfect? Now, this isn't a quick question anyway, because the answer is a qualified yes, it is. We all can be. You cannot be perfect in this life, but you can be perfect in the life to come if you're a child of God. That's a big if right there. God says we can be perfect one of these days. And one of these days, we will be perfect because we're in Jesus Christ. Because contrary to popular opinion, not everybody is a child of God. John chapter, regular John chapter 1 verse 12 says this. Uh, it makes this statement about every, and doesn't include everybody. Listen to John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, all who believed him. There's some qualifications in that statement we just read. You know, if you were to go out on the street, I'm pretty positive, and just start talking to people individually and ask them, are you going to heaven when you die? Most people say, well, yeah. And then you ask them, well, why, why would you be going to heaven? Well, I've done good things in my life. Most people think that going to heaven is equated with being good in life. A lot of us are good people. But we still fall short of the mark that God set for us. God says nobody's perfect. Outside of Jesus Christ himself that God created, his own son. But we have a tendency to think, and people outside the church tend, tend to think, well, all I have to do is be a good employee. I'll take care of things. And I pay my bills. I do all that seems right, and I'm going to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. I don't want to disappoint you, but that's not what it says, folks. Here it made it very closely, but very personal. John chapter 1 again. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Now, we're all children of God in one sense. We're all mankind, all races, everything else. We're all in grouped together in that. But to those who believe in his name, all who believed him. That's the key element of this part. 
only those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior are actually children of God. These are the very people that John talks about in this passage we just read that we're going to study here today. He's going to show us how we can be perfect. Now, again, there's not a perfect person in this room. Not you either, Rocky. Don't even say it. We're all sinners, hopefully saved by grace. All of us. We've all made mistakes. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to have to stand up here and tell you some of the things I did because it would embarrass me to death. But you probably wouldn't want to tell me some of the things you've done either for that matter. So it's probably on both sides, but just so we all know we're on the same boat. Here's what he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 that we just read. Behold, what manner of love has the Father bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Well, that sounds like that's pretty inclusive. We're all there. Mankind's there, sounds like. That's not what it says. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. What's Jesus like? He's perfect. He never sinned. He never had an evil thought. He never did an evil deed because he was Jesus Christ, God on earth. Beloved, we now we know, now we are children of God, for it has not yet been revealed that we shall be. But we, shall, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he's pure. I want you to see this morning, perfection is a part of the Christian life. Did you know that? Now, I want to ask you, how many of you have been saved, been born again, been a Christian for over 10 years? Raise your hand real quick. Okay. Now, let me read that again. I want you to see how perfection is part of the Christian life. It's part of your experience as a child of God. You know what God's saying? He looks at each one of us today, myself included. He doesn't see my frailties, my failures, my mess-ups, and all the other things in my life. He looks us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says they're pure. They're washed clean. They are pure. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't feel too pure all the time. It's just not something I live with on a constant basis. But the Bible just told us that ought to be the Christian life for believers. We ought to begin to adopt that attitude. Perfection is a part of the Christian life and is a part of your experience as a child of God. Now, there's only one thing wrong with that statement I just made. One of these days we're going to be complete. We're going to be perfect. We're not there yet. I still have to get up every morning and look in the mirror and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up yesterday again. I did the same old sin over and over. Have you ever noticed this? I remember a guy saying there was a convention at one time. He said, have you ever noticed that you commit the same sin over and over and over and over? That's the one you've got to ask forgiveness for every day. It's at the top of your list. Why do we do that? Once we ask it, God forgives it. Why do we do that? You know what it is? We enjoy that sin. 
Well, that got quiet. We enjoy that. That's the one we like doing. I don't care what it is. We enjoy doing that sin. That's why we have to go back over and over and over. And I do the same things, folks. Because we enjoy doing that one. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. We enjoy doing it. Now, just imagine. In fact, First John chapter 3, 1. Let's go a little farther here real quick. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. You is a children of God if you've confessed your sins and believed in Him. Now, just imagine that. The moment you receive Jesus Christ into your life, God calls you one of His children. You're not perfect by any means at that point. But in God's eyes, you are because He sees what you're going to become. God looks at my life, and he says, probably shakes his head and says, man, why did I waste my time on him? But what he sees is what I'm going to become one of these days because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees what I will develop into. It's just like a little boy or girl growing up. I mean, they can be cantankerous sometimes. They can be, you know, sitting down and throw a fussy fit and just get mad and scream and cry. We hope as parents that's not what they're going to be. Some of them do turn into that, but we won't go there today. But that's the way God sees us. He sees us completed because when he looks at us, he doesn't see you and I. He sees Jesus Christ that died for us. And that's the perfect one of these days. There are three ways to get in the family of God. God says you're one of his children. The first way that you can get into the family of God you can be born, let me back up, to a family, just a family right now. First of all, you can be born into a family. Life gives you that privilege. Every one of us were born into a family. No exceptions. Well, there could be some, but I don't think there are. But Second, you can be adopted into a family. The law gives you that privilege. Third, you can marry into a family. What's another way we can be born into a family? But we're born into a family, to the family of God through the Holy Spirit. Look at John 3, 8. It speaks of those who are born of the Spirit of God. What does that mean to us? Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago so that I wouldn't have to, so that you wouldn't have to. He came and gave his life a humiliating experience, a torturous experience. But that's what he was called for. Three times the night before, Jesus prayed to his Father, God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. But then he would add, but not my will, but your will be done. God, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. It was so horrendous. Keep this in mind, for all of eternity, up until this point, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was on the cross, him and God had been perfect harmony. They never disagreed. I mean, it was one. They were one. But at the cross, remember what happened? God turned his eyes from Jesus because it was such a gruesome sight. Because Jesus took all the sins of the world that you, ever cre that you ever committed, that I ever committed, that anybody that ever committed were piled up on his shoulders. That's what God turned away from. 
He couldn't stand to see the sin upon God's back. Jesus' back, excuse me. Because that was your and my sins. And that's why he died there. That's what he was doing at that place. That's why John says in 3.8, Born of the Spirit of God, we're adopted into the family by God the Father. Romans 8.15 says this, But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. If you are adopted to someone, you know who someone is. Consider it a tremendous blessing. Somebody chose you if you're adopted this morning. Somebody picked you out. They saw something about you that liked. I, I don't know what it was. I've, I've never been through that. I've known people that have. But they chose that person. I heard about a little boy that was being teased at school because he was adopted. Kids were making fun of him and laughing at him. And finally he got to where he couldn't take it anymore. And he, he looked at the kid and says, you can say whatever you want to. All I know is my parents chose me. Yours couldn't help having you. A lot of truth in that little statement. Then we also are married into the family through the Son of God. Revelations 21.9 says, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. We are in his family as children. Why is that so important? First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That ought to make a Baptist shout, folks. Listen to that. For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that's us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is neat. A perfect God, in one sense, can only have perfect children. Right? If they're perfect, then we're going to be perfect. There's an old saying, you're the reason our kids are so ugly. I'm not going any farther. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to touch that one now. So <laughs> I can hear things coming back. So, The truth is imperfect parents do produce imperfect children. Our kids are not perfect because guess what? They're just like you and me. And we all fail in many areas. If they were more like their mother, they would be perfect, right? Well, we, some, never mind, we better stay, this is a dangerous place I'm treading, I better stay away from this. <clears throat> but it's, we're, we're all imperfect, every single one of us. I mean, if we could have a, a testimony service and everybody give a, just a detailed history of your past, what you've done, what you're going to do, what you're doing right now, I would hope my name would start with a Z. So it wouldn't get to me until after the service is over. But we are all in the same boat, God tells us. Sunday school, in a Sunday school class, uh, I heard about a lady in a Sunday school class one time. and She said, is there anything that God cannot do? Not expecting an answer, she was shocked by this one little girl that raised her hand. She said, okay, Mary. Tell me one thing that God cannot do. And the little girl said, God cannot see my sin through the blood of Jesus. That's true. God cannot see 
our sins through the blood of Jesus. That's true because in the one sense, as children of God, we stand in perfection before God. That's the way God sees us. Number two, as children of God, we strive for perfection. Even though you may not be perfect yet, if you're truly a child of God, you will want to strive to be as perfect as you possibly can. Amen? 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. One of the marks that you're a child of God is that you're looking or longing for and living for the second coming of Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this time, but how many of you are looking forward to Jesus one day coming back? I mean, that's going to be a great time because you know what? I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to be transported. I don't know how it's going to work. In fact, we're studying that in Revelation today. Come back to that, and I might figure out an answer, or somebody else will anyway. But there's a very simple test to determine whether or not you really believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. If you do, you want to live in such a way that when he comes, when he does come, he will find you being for him what you ought to be, doing for him what you ought to do, living for him the way you ought to live. That's one of the ways you can know that you're a child of God. Are you striving to do the things that God wants you to do? You know what He wants you to do. Are you doing that? Are you drawing closer, closer to Him? Are you sharing the Word? Are you fellowshipping? Are you doing whatever God's given you to do? A Sunday school class, maybe. Or whatever it may be in this church. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says it this way. Therefore, having these promises, beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all, unf- uh, all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. People read that verse and they say, why do we have to be afraid of God? That's not what that word means. That means fear that we're just to, to draw closer to Him, to come closer to Him, that we fear what will happen without God, if you will. A good child wants to live in such a way that he pleases his parents. I didn't have good children, evidently. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. We had two good boys. There's always something that has, to, has been great motivator for me, that's just me personally, in the way that I've lived my life, and that is has to do with my parents. Now, I've shared with you all before, I didn't have Christian parents. My mother was not a Christian. My dad became a Christian shortly before he passed away, or so I was told. I did not really get to know that. Now, for my mother, it was out of love and respect. But for my dad, it was out of fear sometimes. Because he knew how to use a horse whip as good as anybody can. And I can't tell you how many times I said something back to him, and I got the swat of a horse whip across my legs, and it hurts. I still remember it. I saw a horse whip 
for sale recently. I thought, I'm going to get one of those just to remind me. I thought, no, I don't need those memories. But it's, you want to do things to please your parents, to, make, to not make them ashamed of you. I did not want to do anything that would bring reproach on my family's name. Now, we weren't a special family by any means. If you're truly a child of God, you want to live your life in such a way that you don't disappoint, bring shame to our Heavenly Father. There's a connection between how you live and how you look. The more you live for Jesus, the more you look like Jesus. Have you ever noticed how couples who've been married for a long, long time begin to look like each other? I'm not going there, so don't worry. <laughs> it's funny that kids will grow up and they will be abs- absolutely swear that they never would be like their parents. But you watch them 10 years later and it's the parents doing the same things, the kids doing the same things the parents used to do. Because we're taught that way. We grow up watching how they handle situations or do things and so forth, and it becomes part of us. I said the same thing many times, and all of a sudden I got to look at one day, and I, I look like my dad. What happened? <laughs> it's just the way we're, mo- uh, we're built. When you live with someone and live, with some- and f- uh, live for someone, you will become like that person. You ought to ask this question. When Jesus comes to this earth, Am I still here? If I'm still here, what will he find in my life? Jesus once said in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, When the Son of Man comes, he will really find faith. Will, will he really find faith on earth? What Jesus was saying is that when he comes back, and I believe it could be any moment, folks. I believe it with every ounce of my being. When he, really come, when he comes back, will he truly find people who have enough faith to live by? When Jesus comes, I don't want to find his tithe in my wallet. I don't want to find a grudge in my heart against a member of our church, perhaps. I don't want to find him, let him find pornography in my house, on my computer, wherever it may be. I don't want him to find bitterness in my spirit. And folks, sometimes we as church people can get very bitter sometimes. What if you were told that the President of the United States was coming to your house for a visit next month? I don't care what you think about the President. That's not what we're asking. Just play along with me here. They couldn't tell you what day he was coming. They couldn't tell you when he would be here. It would literally be at at a moment's notice that he'd come knocking on your door. You know what you'd do? Or at least I think everybody would do. You'd get that house as spick and span as you could. You'd put everything in places because it's not because it's the president, because he's the president. And that's a place of honor. And it would be, to me, an honor to meet the president and shake his hand. We would do things that would be unusual. We would get ready for it as best we could. The point is a child of God wants to live like he really is one. To be called a child of God by your parents is one thing, but to be called by God, a child of God by those who watch your life is quite different. When people see you, do they say, there goes a child of God? Or do they say, he claims to be a Baptist? Folks, being a Baptist won't get you one step closer to heaven. 
Of course, neither will Methodist or Church of God or any others. The only thing that will get you to heaven is it's a born-again experience. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, how does he do that? The Holy Spirit. And my Bible tells me all you have to do is confess that you're a sinner and ask God to come in, and he will. And oh, what a change it makes in your life. We all have past, and I would not want to tell you some of mine, but let me tell you, God turned me around a hundred degrees and made a difference in my life. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. As children of God, we will see our perfection. First John chapter 3, verse 2 that we've read. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let that sink in for just a moment. That's the answer to the question. Did you know you can be perfect? Yes, you can if you're a child of God. As a matter of fact, if you're a child of God, one day you will be because John says that when he appears, we are going to be just like him. That doesn't sound possible to me. The only thing, that can only mean one thing. If I'm going to be just like Jesus and Jesus is perfect, then I'm going to be perfect one of these days. Now, I know y'all look at that and probably snicker and think, there ain't no way. But God says I am. If you think about it, there are three chapters in the life of a child of God. Chapter one is, I'm not what I used to be. We all agree there. Chapter two is, I'm not what I ought to be. And chapter three is, I'm not what I'm going to be one of these days. When Jesus comes, we're going to be just like him. That doesn't mean that we're going to be Jesus clones. It doesn't mean that we're going to be little gods in a sense. What it does mean is that in body and soul and spirit and word, thought and deed, we're going to be absolutely perfect. In Revelation, we're studying a chapter, and just last week I was teaching this particular chapter, and it just, that thought came out right there that we're going to be absolutely perfect because that's what Jesus said he's going to make us. To me, that tells us a lot about ourselves. That is one of the greatest differences between one who is a child of God and one who is not. You see, both the child of God and the one who is not is not a child of God has struggles with imperfection while on earth. The one who is not a child of God will have to live with his imperfection in eternity. Revelations 22 verse 11 puts it this way. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. We also will be physically glorified. Philippians 3.21 says, He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious image. I don't have any idea what that actually means. I can't comprehend that. I just know who we're going to be like. 
I don't know exactly what kind of body we're going to have because I don't know what kind of body Jesus has right now. But I know this. It will be a body with no cancer, no diabetes, no Alzheimer's, no heart disease, totally immune from disease and death. That's what we know it will be. We will also be emotionally satisfied. The psalmist says in, seven, in Psalms chapter 17, verse 15, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in my likeness, in, in your likeness, excuse me. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. In fact, we're just now getting into the chapters where heaven's going to be coming into view here pretty quick if you want to join with us tonight. I don't know what we're going to be like. I don't know exactly what Jesus is going to look like. I've got a funny suspicion all the pictures we see of Jesus is not going to be what he looks like. In fact, I think his face is going to glow like a, a light bulb almost because the glory of God will be shown to us then. We'll see him as he is. But I do know whatever it's all like, we're going to be totally, completely satisfied. All of which makes me so glad that I am a child of God. Are you? When someone grows old without Jesus, all he can do is look back. If you're not a child of God, you have absolutely nothing to look forward to after this life. But if you're a child of God, you've got something tremendous to look forward to. The child of God, you have a future that's as bright as the promises of God. You're headed for a future where you are going to be absolutely perfect. I can't wait to see some of y'all perfect. That's going to be a joy. I'm going to shout hallelujah when I see some of y'all. Because I see you the way you are now. The way all of us are. Ronald Reagan wrote a letter when he found out he had Alzheimer's disease and in this letter, he made two statements that I want to read to you. Listen to this letter. This is his letter, his wording. He said, I now begin the journey that will lead me into the sunset of my life. When the Lord calls me home, whenever that day will be, Ronald Reagan faced death with the same optimism of which he faced life, and for good reason. He knew that because... he he was a child of God, he was going to be absolutely perfect, and his best days were ahead of him. They can be for all of us once we become children of God. I don't want to get too personal, but I'm going to use an example this morning. I had the privilege of taking Brother George back and forth to the temple many times, hospital, dropping him off hospital, going to visit him hospital and so forth. As his life began to go down, and he knew the end was not long in sight. He lasted longer than we thought he would, but he knew where it was. We would talk back and forth. You may not know this, but Brother George had been ordained to preach. Did he ever preach? Was he ever a pastor of a church? Oh, okay. Well, I couldn't remember that part, but he was a pastor. But what I'm trying to say is that with all the hurting, and folks, he had tubes, three or four tubes coming out of him, those bags he had to carry. I mean, it had to be miserable. But I never heard him say one bad word the whole time. 
I never heard him complain. That tells me what George was. And one day, as we were traveling, he got to talking about growing up. And the thing that he said most of all, he says, I remember the day that I gave my life to Jesus. And folks, that's all the difference in the world right there. Let us stand this morning. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. And now, Lord, as we come to close this service, we just ask that you speak to each one that's here. Lord, there may be somebody in this room that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, what a great decision that would be today. Lord, there may be somebody that's been wrestling with things and going through trials and trying to understand, well, why is this this way and all these things. And Lord, we just ask that you would give them open heart, that, Lord, your spirit would even be moving right at this moment and speak to them. Maybe there's somebody here that's looking for a church home. And they settled and said, this is the place I want to worship. And I want to make this my church home. Lord, give them the courage to stand out, step out and come down and join with us. Not to be a person that sits and watches, but to be one that joins with us and helps us carry out the message you've got for us. Lord, I don't know many other ways. There may be family issues in this church right now with some people. Lord, if it is, these steps are available to just bow and pray. And so let's just pray about our problems. Take it to the Lord. Whatever the need is, Lord, this verse of invitation is for yours. You move the way you want us to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.